You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a For the Now media production. In a week that now 34 different countries now download the Null and Void sports podcast, we're now able to welcome Poland to our growing empire. To be honest, wherever you hail from, we love you. So welcome to episode 80. We bring you, as ever, some great sports stories. My name's Tony Grundy. And mine's Andy Callahan. So what was it this weekend? Family celebrations and watching rugby for you? How did that work out? Uh, it was meant to be family celebrations, meant to be in um, Chinatown in London for my brother's belated birthday. Um, his actual birthday was September, but because of him uh, working as a chef on some of the Formula One events through the year and me being up and down the country to rugby events. This was the first weekend we all had free. Um, I got into London despite the train strikes, but because of the strikes, my mum and brother were actually unable to, I think they waited for an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes at the Thornhill Park and Ride, just on the outskirts of Oxford for those that know Oxford. Um, trying to get a bus, but because there were no trains running from Oxford, every bus down to London was absolutely chock-a-block full. So they were able to get into London. So um, I didn't go and eat dumplings and bao, uh, Chinese dumplings and bao on my own. I made it back in time to watch the Wales-Australia game. So, yeah, we were defeated by the unions. And all I would say to the unions after them ruining my brother's birthday celebrations is that the sooner that it's illegal for strikes, the better. And they can take their red flag and shove it somewhere where it would take a good proctologist a number of hours to find. <laughs> right, let's start, yeah, starting off with the political statements first. Yeah, moving <laughs> on quickly. Um, for me, it was football and more football, to be honest. Exercise and a little gardening, they were the order of the days. And with four games... A day now, it's it's quite a diet, quite a you know to to keep up with. So I'm, I'm certainly feeding your habit, yeah, yeah, and and switching between iPad and TV and negotiating around Sue to tell her how wonderful the next game is going to be. Um, <laughs> well, she's she's interested, but not nearly as interested as me. But anyway, so that <laughs> obviously leads us to talk about the World Cup, um, England, both good and bad. It's the way it is, isn't it, sometimes? We're recording this podcast ahead of England's match versus Wales, still to come on Tuesday evening. So that's it's, it, that's going to be very interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, the good news for England and also the good news for those of us that support anyone but Wales is that Wales would need to be England 4-0 for them to overtake uh, the three Lions <laughs> and make it through the quarterfinal, uh, sorry, the second round, the round of 16. Um, now, I'm not going to make any predictions on that because we know that's the kiss of death. But 4-0 is a tough ask. It's a big ask for anyone. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Wales, to be frank, against Iran, good for Iran, uh, but Wales were well second best in that. And a number of people who were expected to do better um, didn't, let's put it that way. Uh, Argentina recovery after their poor start and Germany, Spain still to come as we record this as it happens on a Sunday this week, still to come 
just after we've recorded. It'll be fascinating to see the result of that. Yeah, well, Germany were pretty much had one foot in the departure lounge um, this morning, whereas if Japan had beaten Croatia, which, uh, sorry, Japan had beaten uh, Costa Rica, which uh, Costa Rica, yeah, sorry. then they, Germany would, would have been out if they'd lost to Spain tonight. With Costa Rica, who got beaten 7-0 by Spain earlier on in the week, having now beaten Japan, who beat Germany, keep up listeners, um, <laughs> it now means that Germany could still afford to lose to Spain tonight, as long as they keep it tight, and then a big win against uh, Costa Rica, if Japan lose heavily to Spain, could actually see Germany get through by the back door, which would be very this Germany team. They seem to get out of jail on a number of different occasions through qualifying, and I just have a sneaking suspicion they, they, they could do it again. I'm not saying they will. I think a lot of it will depend on what the score is tonight against Spain. It's interesting also <clears throat> some of the other emerging nations, and I put Canada in that in the sense that they've actually gone out, effectively they're out of the tournament now, but in four years' time, the tournament's actually in Canada, you know, and that actually will give them a great opportunity to see how they've developed further because they've got a very good young team. They're quite well organised. And yeah, all right, you say, well, they've had two defeats, so effectively they're out already. But I think teams like that are beginning to emerge. And you could also put USA in that category uh, as, as a team that's developing and getting stronger and stronger. And they definitely gave England a tough time in that second game. So there have been some interesting results. And, uh, you know, so that's really pleasing to see. Um, and the tournament, as you said earlier on, we're just getting to the end of the uh, group stages now and it starts to get tasty further on. Yeah, I mean, what is a real surprise is only one team have really taken the tournament thus far by the scruff of the neck. I, I know we've still got eight games left in this round, the second round of pool games. Um, but thus far, the only team who've played two games who've got a 100% win record is France. I mean, obviously... Yeah. Uh, have got a hundred percent loss record and are out uh, with a game to play. But France, I tell you what, Andy, they are looking very strong. France and uh, Mbappe, as good as I've ever seen him, and you know, almost unstoppable when he decides to go. And I, I've always thought, yes, of course, he's a skillful player, but he's one of the one of those head players that when he puts it all together, he really looks something. And at mm -hmm. this level, his pace is stunning. So France, yes, are clicking into gear. There's no doubt about that. So long way to go. We will see. We will report further on that one. Yeah, um, and then obviously Brazil looked good in their opening win. And that Richarlison goal was an absolute stunner. But wh where's this Richarlison come from? In Brazil shirt, he looks superb. And yet in a Tottenham shirt, he doesn't look worth the money that they spent on him. So... It's, yeah, a, it's interesting. He, he is uh, out and out their top scorer, Brazil. He's a real mm. hero. It's interesting to see the fans with him. He's a real hero. Whereas here, he again, he he comes and goes. Occasionally he'll do something, but most of the time you're thinking, why did they pay so much money for him? So anyway, that just shows you the difference of uh, 
Well, that, well, you could argue the players around him because they definitely create chances. But that uh, overhead kick, you know, that fantastic bicycle kick, yes. wonderful. So yeah, long way to go. I got rugby next Sunday, and uh, well, you did see some rugby, but you wanted to talk about Doddy Weir first, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, real shame that uh, sad, pass- sad news that Doddy Weir passed away from uh, MND, motor neurone disease yesterday and whilst i know that everyone who loved the game and has been involved with the game probably knew this day was coming it still came as a real shock and a real sort of lump in the throat moment i mean he was a um a great player great character in the sport you know would always turn up in his tartan uh three-piece suit um always stand out great uh humor and sort of played the game with a real joy and a real love. You know, it was probably at that point where the game crossed over from amateur to professional. So still had all the sort of ethos of the amateur era where they would have a lot more fun, like (coughs) players do now. Um, But at the same time, a great professional, won the premiership with uh, Newcastle Falcons, won the uh, Five Nations, the very last Five Nations title with Scotland and was a... British and Irish Lions tourist in 97, where some of his, uh, that was the first one that they had the behind the scenes video, the living with lions. And he took one of the cameras for a little while. They gave players the cameras and the footage of him going around really, you know, brilliant, but really moving when he was then taken out of the tour by a horrendous shot to the knee um, from one of the provincial teams. Um, And, you know, he's chatting to the camera in his, hotel room about how, you know, well, it's been a good time and I've had made some amazing friends and just a really humble guy, but who's done now so much used, you know, what were tragic circumstances for him and his family to really raise millions and raise awareness so much around motor neurone disease. And obviously just um, a real shame that after Kevin Simfield last week, part of his seven ultra marathons in seven days, was linked and some of the money went to the My Name's Doddy Foundation, which I'm sure will continue to do great work in his name long after he's gone. But just a real shame that having seen that and then, you know, a week later, here we are talking about Doddy Weir's sad passing. So um, I love the love the the commentator, Bill McLaren, used to refer to him at times when he was uh, on the hoof because he was a big, big laddie, you know, six foot seven, um, as the, uh, the mad giraffe dancing in the wing. Um, and I, I think that's a great way to remember him. He was a, a fantastic player, a real great servant and ambassador for the game and has done a hell of a lot for, you know, motor neurone disease now in the last couple of years. And the, the thoughts just go out to his close friends and his family um, at the passing of a great player. Yeah, at 52, 52. And, yeah. and um, it made me smile because he did say some funny things. Made me smile on one occasion when it, I think he was on tour with England, uh, up with Scotland rather, and and he was there was a picture of him in a nightclub, clearly having had a few drinks, and and uh, when challenged about it, he said mistaken identity. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> and he's six it, foot seven. <laughs> it, it was actually press practice, so it didn't actually happen, but they were practicing before they went out to South Africa with the Lions, and uh, I think John. John Taylor from the press sort of threw that one in. 
and yeah, yeah. mistaken identity. And then when they pressed him, so so which lion was it? Doddy came back with, well, my father's out here following the tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> great, great guy and a great loss as well. Yeah. So what else in rugby that was going on that caught your eye? Uh, well, we had a couple of international games. Um, so uh, let's get the England game over and done with first. I think the less said about that, the better. Um, England lost to South Africa 27-13 and were well beaten. Um, you know, Eddie Jones talks about this side is on the right trajectory toward the World Cup. Well, unless Eddie's trying to do an inside job for Australia, that's the only trajectory. Trajectory that I can see England on at the moment. It was dire. I mean, basically, it was everything that was bad about the England's performance against South Africa in the World Cup three years ago just repeated again. You could almost put the two games side by side, and the only difference is that uh, South Africa didn't score quite as many. Um, so South Africa were very good, England were very, very bad, and um. Yeah, just not sure quite where he turns out around now. The RFU have said they're going to do a a review of the poor performance of the autumn. Um, that's on top of the review of the poor performance they did of the Six Nations, where nothing changed, and the review of the poor performance in the Six Nations two year, uh, 18 months ago, where nothing changed. So, well, Andy, I, I wrote Gambling down. man, I would yeah. put money on nothing changing. Yeah, but, but England, South Africa, I, I then put change of coach, question mark. Wales versus Australia, change of coach, question mark. Yeah, Wales um, were up against... So Wales have had a, a terrible autumn, um, you know, with the defeat to Georgia last week. They looked... They were sitting pretty against Australia. They were um, 34 points to 13 ahead with 20 minutes to go. Both sides were very poor. I think my comment to uh, Billy, who was watching and we were messaging each other, was it was like two bold men fighting over a cone, would be how I described the, the game and the effectiveness. But because yeah. both sides were at such low confidence and playing so badly, it was actually quite entertaining as a game. But yeah, Wales were 34, um, what did I say, 34-13 up, with 20 minutes to go, and then conspired to lose 39-34 in the last 20 minutes. So, yeah, Wayne Pivak, I think if there were being big questions asked after the defeat to Georgia last week, there are even bigger questions being asked. Mm. The game, I'd actually said, if Pivak, if Wales lose this, could Pivak be replaced by Gatland and Wales go back to Warren Gatland for a year before the World Cup? And then, lo and behold, the BBC and other news outlets this morning are now asking, could Wales go back to Warren Gatland uh, for a year before the World Cup? So I'd just like to say to the other news outlets out there, keep up, boys and girls. You know, I was talking about this uh, two days ago. Get, get with the action. Get with the story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Next uh, thing I've got is we'll relay... Uh, triathlon Championship Series in Abu, Abu Dhabi um, and our British Olympic relay champion Alex Yee actually finished in fourth but it was extremely close we were talking about it Andy and, um, and he was behind winning Frenchman Leo Berger uh, and Berger now moves above Yee 
in the world rankings to number one. So it was very, very close. Yeah. I mean, yesterday's race was the final of the series. So it was a, a sort of a potentially winner takes all, but there were points rankings a little bit like Formula One through yeah. the series. So um, going in, Kiwi Hayden Wild was in first place. Alex Yee in second and Leo Berger, I think, was in fourth or fifth. Uh, And then as the race went on, Berger pulled away in the front group on the bike um, and then came in to finish on the run in first place. But had to wait and see where the other racers ranked to uh, see if he'd won the overall series or not. So um, Wild, who'd been in first place at the start, had to come in with Berger winning, had to come in in fifth. And ended up finishing sixth. So that took him out of the contention of the title. And Alex Yee, the Brit, um, had to come in third and was beaten by, I think it was the Belgian, Gaines, Yellow Gaines, um, in the sprint finish and overtaken and ended up fourth in the race, which meant that he came second overall to Berger in the series. So really tight finish, an exciting finish. I think that they finished... I've only seen some of the footage, but I think they finished, or at least some of the bike race or some of the run was done on the uh, Yaz Formula One track at Abu Dhabi, which you can run and cycle on as well. I've actually run and cycled on that. And I know friend of the show and triathlete Lee Spore has done the same. You can do sort of training nights on a Tuesday and a Thursday there in the middle of the week. So uh, the cyclists go around the middle of the track and the runners around the outside of the track. So uh, that's quite exciting to... uh, go on the Formula One track and see that. So I think that's where they finished. But yeah, really close and exciting. <laughs> well done to Frenchman Leo Berger for a a nail-biting win. Definitely that. Um, always exciting, talk about exciting, is FA Cup second round because from that, if you get through to the third round, you meet all the big guys uh, from the top two divisions. And that was this weekend. So it's always a big week. Well, for any team beneath the uh, championship level and through into the National Leagues, the non-league. And the draws on Monday night always, so we'll know how the top teams, uh, who they come up against. And Wrexham's megastar owners, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, apparently megastars, I wouldn't know either of them, but (laughs) anyway, uh, uh, moved effortlessly into the third round with a 4-1 win over non-league Farnborough. My, uh, and, and Wrexham are in the National League, so it was a very good win for them. My old team, Stockport, I actually originally, doing my notes, wrote down one. In the last seconds, Charlton equalised. They've now got a replay against Charlton. Um, and Fleetwood, managed by um, Scott Brown, uh, ex-Celtic player of many years, uh, got through. Hartlepool and Oxford United, and previous winners, Portsmouth and Sheffield Wednesday, are also through. And Boreham Wood also got through. So the nice thing about the competition, and even as we talk, I believe, Ipswich are playing, and we last time focused on Bracknell, a local team to you and I, and Ipswich got through there. Uh, and they're ahead in the game at the moment, I believe. So we're anticipating Ipswich will make it into the third round. Yeah, we'll they're still two, as we speak, they're 2-0 up against Buxton. Yeah, and Buxton, 
a great game for them because that was the league I used to play in, the Cheshire League and Buxton were local rivals. Um, but it's a great competition when that draw comes up on, on Monday night and we'll, we'll see what happens thereafter to the non-league teams. OK, uh, athletics and Kenya have got problems, haven't they, in terms of doping? Yeah, they're facing. Um, there's been appeals by, um, I think, the sports minister and by the head of the Kenyan Athletics Committee. Um, basically, um, Kenya's situation is being discussed next week at the World Athletics Council meeting in Rome at the significant number of Kenyan athletes who are currently serving doping bans. It's actually at the moment stands at 55. And the only two countries higher than that are India with 61 and Russia with 102. Now, obviously, even before the crisis in Ukraine, Russian athletes were, because of the, um, if you like, the World Athletics Committee saying that it was state-sanctioned, institutionalised doping, then Russian athletes couldn't compete at the Olympics um, those that were competing were competing under a neutral flag and had to have shown that they were not complicit or had not been um, doping and a clean record right through that period. So, um, yeah, who knows? Kenya might be facing similar sanctions. It might be um, an early start, as I say, with 55 athletes currently serving doping bans. That's a significant amount and certainly WADA and World Athletics are now looking at what possible sanctions could be taken. And it could mean that Kenyan athletes would face similar issues to Russian athletes, that they would have to prove that they were clean and compete under a, a neutral flag at the next World Athletics Championships and potentially even Paris 2024. Yeah, and the thing thing there is because Kenya are in such a dominant position in the middle and, and distance running stakes, that could well have a massive impact, couldn't it? It could be significant. Yeah, I mean, the, the Minister of Youth Affairs um, in Kenya has said that it's, it's down to a small minority of, I think you said, greedy individuals and that we cannot allow our country and our athletes to be banned due to the actions of... I'm just reading my notes. Uh, yeah. Greedy, unethical individuals, um, and they're saying that they will target the target action to make sure that this is dealt with and doesn't continue. But yeah, you know, with with Kenya having been for years dominant in distance running, and I'm not by any means saying that that is down to doping. It does put a large dent into um, the distance running programs that they have in the country yeah. if. They or could put a dent in if they face such bans or such sanctions. Yeah, another one of those. What's this space? Um, netball. Uh, it's a while since we've mentioned that. Um, and it, I just looked ahead to South Africa in uh, July and August for the uh, World Cup in 2023. And England's team finished third place to Australia and the eventual winners, New Zealand, last time. They'll begin their preparation with a series of warm-up matches. Um, and I think they call them the Vitality Roses, don't they? Uh, and those games will be taking place in January as part of their preparation. So we'll keep an eye on how 
that progress goes. And hopefully they can, talking about progress, can go from third place to winning it next year. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, of course, their pool of players is slightly shallower now than it was because I hadn't realised that we talked a lot about the Wasps rugby union team, both the men's and women's team, and how they were impacted by Wasps um, going into administration and the fact that the men's team had now been relegated and ceased playing in the uh, Gallica Premiership for the rest of this season. What I hadn't realised was also that Wasps had a team as part of the overall club and setup and they've now been um similar to the rugby bumped from the netball super league because they've gone into administration so yeah you know those players are currently looking for new clubs new contracts and uh to be able to continue to play and force themselves back into the vitality roses squad ahead of the series against South Africa and the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, hopefully those players can find um, other opportunities and, you know, we'll, again, watch this space and see what happens with Wasps as and when anyone comes in with offers for the rugby club, whether that includes the netball club as well. It's amazing, isn't it? The knock-on effect of these things. Um, cricket, uh, we've mentioned it, but England have flown out to Pakistan ahead of this Thursday's opening day with three-match series against Pakistan. I think it's 2007 since they were there last time. One downside for England is fast bowler Woods may not be fit. He's been up and down with injuries, and it may be another time when they're lacking fast bowler. One good thing that has come out of the preparations for the tour, though, um, they've just played a three-day game against the England Lions in uh, the UAE en route to Pakistan, as a warm-up, because the conditions on the pitches are often similar. And Jofra Archer came through that game and was pulling really well for the Lions. So, uh, yeah, I think Ben Stokes has said they're going to manage his workload, and I don't think they're taking him as as part of the tour squad to Pakistan at the moment. Now, if Mark Wood is injured and out, that could change. But, yeah, it's good to see Jofra back on the pitch and back bowling. And I think if England can manage his workload, then we'd be looking at him as a possibility to start or star in the Ashes series against Australia next summer. Yeah, that's a lot to look forward to. Um, now, I got next contacts. And I sent out again to my favoured few uh, when I send the episode out each week to say we now get to 34 different countries in the world. Um and welcome Poland. And uh, Brenda Lowe sent a response saying, your podcast is more popular than Meghan Markle. I said, that's not difficult. She said, exactly. I think it was a compliment. I'm not sure. I was left a bit I'm, I'm trying to find the compliment in there. But um, <laughs> yeah. You know, um... yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Brenda. And I'll, I'll try and work out the inference later. What I will say is the difference between us and Ginger and Whinge is that we don't have a book coming out in the new year with any royal revelations. So, uh, yeah, that is a big difference between us and Ginger and Whinge. I'd hope there are quite a few differences, but, yeah, that'll do for one. OK, um, now, get a grip. And we both agree on this one. And it might sound a bit strange, but Andy and I here get really, really cross about fans who boo 
make that silly boo noise. How does it go? Yeah, boo. Yeah. So the thing, is, thing is, yeah. Can we all get together on this one? You do it with me. Yeah. One, two, three. It's boo. Boo. Uh, that sounds really, you know, we're really vicious, aren't we? Boo. So standing on the terraces, always, whether it's football fans, whatever, I've always thought it was a pathetic, childish gesture. And why we're particularly picking up on that is England in the World Cup, no, that wasn't a brilliant result against USA. It would have been a hell of a lot worse if they lost. Um, but they're booing England coming off. Now, those fans standing on the terraces have spent thousands and thousands of pounds to be there. And how are they using that time? Are they enjoying the moment? Are they enjoying the atmosphere? They're standing there and they're making this silly, boorish noise. Well, they certainly can't have a drink, so uh, maybe that's the issue. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, it annoys me, and, and you're right, you know, they paid thousands of pounds to be there. Now, they will argue, and it's the same at, at Twickenham on Saturday, it was an abject performance. No one's getting away from that, and I can totally and utterly understand the frustration and the sentiment behind the booing. But yeah, just it helps no one. Um, all it does is adds pressure to the players the next time they play. Um, it gives the media a bandwagon to jump on and start to vilify and crucify the managers. Um, in, a, in Eddie Jones's case, that might be well-deserved. But, you know, you're st you stand there, you've paid out, and, and it helps no one. It was the same. You think back to the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil and the World Cup in 2010 in South Africa, England, Algeria. But I, I remember watching at your house and then... As England came off, they were booed off the paddock there. And obviously, Wayne Rooney reacted by making certain hand gestures to the crowd and uh, a few expletives, which the press then jumped on. But it, it, does, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't achieve anything. It's just moronic. Now, I know the fans would argue that, you know, in Qatar, we've paid our thousands of pounds to be here and we can react how we want. Well, you can't because we all know what the issues are there. Um, and yeah. the fans at Twickenham would say we've paid our, I mean, tickets were being charged at £109 for the some of the more expensive tickets, which in itself is, is an outrage. But, you know, oh, I've paid my £109 and I, I can boo if I want to. Well, you can. It just makes you, A, look and sound moronic, and B, doesn't help the team in any way, shape or form. Yeah, so I think collectively we're, we're at one on this one. And if you disagree, you know, contact us. But I think it's a pathetic waste of time. It doesn't help your team. And to be honest, get a grip. I'm now expecting yeah. uh, any listeners who do disagree to get in touch with just a voicemail going, boo! <laughs> that's, that's probably all they can say. Yeah, really. Yeah. Engage brain before booing, I would say. Anyway, that's we've both got that off our chest. We'll we'll see what occurs. And that brings us to a close on this episode. And in fact, Andy, there's no episode next week. What's occurring? No, we've got an early Christmas present for our listeners. Um, you've got a week where you haven't got to listen to us. Um, so uh, because I'm actually going off on holiday. Um, because I look after the technical side of things, um, I wasn't prepared to trust you to press the right buttons to do the <laughs> right thing with the pod. No, just with the two of us um, needing to work on it um, to get it 
on air. It takes quite a bit of work to get on air. And as a result, uh, with me being away next week, we've decided to have a week off. The good news or the bad news, depending on how you look at it, is we will be back uh, with another cracking episode on the uh, going to air on the 15th of December. All right. Well, have a very good holiday. Well-deserved break. I know you're very busy with your everyday work. Uh, and we'll be back, as you say, our Christmas present to you is, well, either we're not on next week or we are coming back the week after. And we look forward to that and expect you to be there as ever, uh, 34 countries across the world, as ever. Uh, we look forward to that moment. OK, see you later. Cheers. Thanks a lot, folks. Cheerio. Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on n and v at forthenow.co.uk.